welcome to TripCast 360, the podcast of lively banter about travel, tourism, and entertainment. I am your co-host, Michael Gordon Bennett, and I am joined by, as always, by the man from Barbados via the Big Apple, Dave Cumberbatch. Dave, today we have a truly special way to experience global travel through the lens of our guests, who we'll introduce in just a moment. But uh, what's going on in New York, man? I, I, I see your weather's finally picked up. Yeah, I mean, it, the temperatures have been hovering around 80 degrees or so, which is extremely warm for me at this time. I know where you are in Vegas, you're experiencing those temperatures of over 100 degrees. That is that is not good for cycling, and that's one of the that's one of the questions that we will pose to our guest today. Well, I I think our guest is going to get a kick out of something I did yesterday because it fits right into his wheelhouse. But we'll we'll go there in just a minute. Uh, before we introduce uh, our guest, um, we always like to do a little promo at the top of our show, obviously. So uh, we'd like to hear from travelers, real travelers, you know, not industry people. We'd like to hear about your travel experiences and your travel stories. And if you feel like sharing those stories, you too can possibly be a guest on our show like our guest today. And if you have any great travel stories that you uh, are comfortable sharing, we would like to hear from you. You can send those to contact at tripcast360.com. That's contact at tripcast360.com. This podcast is available on all your favorite platforms from iTunes to Spotify to iHeartRadio to Google Podcasts and others. So check us out. If you like what you hear, please subscribe. You can also follow us on social media channels, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and our five-minute snippets of each episode that appear on YouTube. And lastly, our website, TripCast360.com. So if you happen to forget everything I just said, you can always go to TripCast360 and check us out. And lastly, uh, we are going to start taking uh, subscriptions for our newsletter. Um, we are setting that up right now, so stay tuned for that announcement in a couple of weeks. Now, let's just jump right in with our guest. Our guest today has found a great way to enjoy global travel. He founded a company called Internationally Lost, and as the name suggests, he loves to get internationally lost. Being lost <laughs> to Kevin means you'll discover things about a place that you didn't know were there, and you will probably discover things about yourself that you didn't know were there. And the best part? He loves to take many of many people on his tours from the seat of a bicycle. We al he also offers tours for photographers looking to combine art with a little exercise. Kevin Wennington, welcome to TripCast 360. Thank you for inviting me to be here. So happy to talk with you today. Yeah, it's been um, a long time coming. And I'm, I'm not going to mince any words right off the top of the bat. I went out yesterday and bought myself a bicycle. <laughs> not your it, first time on a bike, though, right? Uh, let me put it to you this way. I'm 62 years old, and, and the last brand-new bike I had, my parents bought for me when I was eight. Um, so it's been a while. <laughs> but I, I bought the bicycle actually twofold. A, I was reading your bio. And it got me to thinking. And then B, my girlfriend runs into my office yesterday. She says, did you see what happened in West Virginia where 220 people got sick with COVID from going to the gym? <laughs> and I'm like, mm, okay, I, I, I can't take that risk because, you know, we've got, you know, senior citizen parents. So I decided to go buy myself a bicycle and tomorrow morning I'm going to put it through its paces. Awesome. Good. Glad to hear. Hope I was a little bit of inspiration for that. <laughs> Most certainly. <laughs> you were, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I know enough about Colorado from my days as a child there that uh, Colorado, they tell us, is the healthiest state in the country. So 
I'm, I'm going to put that to the test uh, here in Nevada, and hopefully I can get out and ride tomorrow before the temperature soars over 100, which it is right now. So, Kevin, tell us a little about yourself. Um, how did you start your company, and what was the inspiration behind it? The it, and if anybody's curious, if they're looking for the website, it's intentionallylost.com, and it, you'll find everything there about the bike trips, about my travels, some of my personal stories and such. And when I first started traveling internationally, the thing that I was doing at home was uh, commuting to work on a bike every day, about 12 miles each way back and forth. So when I first started traveling, that was my preferred way to get around a city. So I immediately went to bike shop and tried to rent a bike. And I was in, I uh, went to Shanghai, China, Beijing, Guilin, a few, few big cities there. And in each place, you know, it's kind of a friendly bicycle culture. So I was able to find a bike pretty easily, get around on the streets. So that just kind of became my preferred way of getting around a big city when I went to visit. And then over the span of a lot of, a lot of years, I sort of expanded on that. Uh, I got into photography and my, my gist of, you know, the way that I like to travel is to get out outside the city, get outside of the tourist area, see things a little bit differently, maybe than, than your common traveler might. Uh, so the bike was, became that, that freedom for me to kind of set my own itinerary, decide where I'm going to go for the day. I don't have to worry about, you know, what's the bus schedule? Where does the tour guide want to take me to? You know, what do I have to book my excursions that I want to go on because, you know, somebody's pre-mandating where I go. Uh, and the bike just gave me that freedom, which is what I enjoy at home as well. You just get on your bike. It's kind of your, your thing when you're a kid. You know, I'd, the bike is my freedom to get out and explore my neighborhood. And then you expand that to you know, maybe I, like here in Northern Colorado, where I live, I go up into the mountains a lot and I visit places on my bike that I never would think to see in a car or that I might never walk to. So they just kind of opened my, opened up my possibilities. And then the idea behind founding the, the company doing intentionally lost and taking other people on these kind of trips as well is for that, that purpose of giving people a way to connect with a location on their own terms. Uh, so I don't know how deep you want me to go with this explanation, but, uh, we're going to get to, we got other questions. (laughs) Pull some of this out of you anyway. So, okay. You've had a varied background. Uh, you've managed software development for clients. I did some research on you, merging photography, adventure, travel, and cycling. How, what are some of the challenges of starting a business like that in general? relating, merging, travel, cycling, and photography? Well, the the number one challenge is just like in any business, when you go into a space and nobody's ever heard of it before, every time you talk to somebody, they go, that sounds interesting, but I've never heard of that. So why should I believe you? Why is that a good idea? Uh, and any you know entrepreneur who comes up with a new idea, tries to bring it to market, runs into that initial uphill battle of just getting the idea out there. It's a lot easier to convince people to do something that they've seen before. Like, oh, I'm used to going to, you know, museums. I'm used to going to eateries, you know, looking at restaurants. I'm a foodie. So I go travel and I go to restaurants. Um, Bicycle travel is, is actually a pretty big thing. There are a lot of companies out there that do it, but combining it together with photography is a little bit of a new thing. So doing a lot of social media, doing a lot of 
podcasts, frankly, you know, talking to other industry people and travelers about, hey, this is a thing that's out there that you could actually do. And it's something that I've put a lot of research and time and effort into researching for myself, practicing on myself. I've done the trial and error. So when I take these guests on my trip, I've been there. I understand the the obstacles that we'll face. I've got the vendors all lined up, just all of the, you know, the logistics kind of things. So the biggest hurdle though, really is making people aware of it, making people aware that there's a new thing in the market that they could, could participate in. And really the, the solopreneur idea is, and the reason I started doing this is based on a lot of people who got me interested in practicing my photography. Uh, you see photographers take people on trips all the time. Like they're an adventurer that goes to Patagonia, that goes to uh, Tibet. They go to all of these interesting places. They bring back amazing photos. And then they, they build a following through social media and everybody goes, wow, that's amazing. I'd love to learn from this photographer. So there's, there's no one path though through these things. You can't model after one specific photographer or adventurer and say, this is how they built their business. This is how they built their, their brand. So it's really speaking to what's internal to me, like what drives me, what excites me. And there's this thing that's stuck in the back of my head that I always tell myself, I never doubt the beauty of your own reality. And when you tell other people about that, you never are, you never know who's going to connect with that the same way that you do. Each one individually has its own challenges. You're riding your bike, you've got to stop every now and then to take a photograph. From the photography side, you're dealing with the weather, you're dealing with, you know, trying to catch that moment. And on the international side, you just mentioned a few international countries. How do you get your bikes there? I mean, I would imagine you've got to ship your bikes there and you've got to pick your bikes up and then you take your tours. Well, I, I don't want to spend a ton of time on logistics. There's a, there's a lot of ins and outs of, of how it works. But for number one, for the bikes, the places that we're going, we can rent high quality bikes. Oh, nice. uh, and sometimes I've got partners uh, like in Europe, I've got Experience Plus, which is a ground operator there. They've been working in that market for a long, long time to actually build their own bikes. And it's going to be better in most cases than anything we could rent or even a lot of personal bikes. Like they have nicer bikes than what I ride myself at home anyway. <laughs> so, so it works out nicely. Um, yeah. Usually shipping your bike is fairly expensive, you know, dealing with the hassle of getting it through customs, getting it put back together, making sure you, know, you can, you can get parts for it if something breaks when you're on your trip. So those kind of things are a hassle. Whereas if you're in country with a vendor who's already got the bikes in, always get somebody to go along with us as well who can support those bikes. So we're not fixing our own flats. We're not, you know, if your chain breaks, you're not fixing it yourself. There's a right. mechanic with us, come up, fix your chain. You're on your way. Um, and to the other half of that, as far as the photography during the days, we actually split it up so that it's ride, a ride in the morning and then photography in the evening. And everybody's an adult. If you want to go out early in the morning and get that sunset photo or sunrise photo for yourself before you get on your bike, by all means, you know, more power to you. But as far as the organized photo sessions where everybody together goes to a location and we help each other, we exchange tips and tricks and learn from each other as photographers, we do that in the evening after the ride for the day. 
You know, it, it's not often that you get a chance to merge three passions into one business. And you seem to have figured out a way to have successfully done that. Yeah. Um, and so you're, you're to be commended for that. Uh, uh, I've done that in my career with, with what I do with travel, tourism, sports, and entertainment, because I also work in the entertainment industry. So I, I've been able to merge that, but not a lot of people have the bandwidth or the wherewithal to be able to take all three you know, ideas in their head and put them into one business. Uh, so uh, again, I, I just want to commend you for that. I, I thought it was awesome. You kind of reminded me of me, but maybe in a different space. So, <laughs> uh, that, that's actually pretty cool. Take us through what a normal tour that you offer is like. Um, you, you know, how many uh, uh, days are they? Uh, how, how is it divided between just getting a good ride in and stopping for photography? Just give us a, a sense of how your tours work. Well, the the ideal tour is kind of well balanced. So we've got about half and half riding and photography. I'm planning the the rides for the day to be between. 30 and 50 miles. Usually they're a little bit on the shorter side, uh, especially if it's, if it's hilly, if there's going to be a lot of, you know, up and down riding mountains or hills, uh, you don't want a, a long day uh, because you're already going to have that challenge. And then too, you don't want to be too tired at the end of the day that you just want to plop down and, you know, sit in the hotel. You want to be able to have enough energy left after the ride to pick up your camera, go out and enjoy the evening. So the people that are going on these trips are, are prepared for that. And I've got a whole training plan on the website uh, for planning on a, you know, doing a, a long multi-day trip. So the people that come on these trips are not somebody who's just purchased a bike. <laughs> Frankly, there's somebody who's been preparing for, for these rides <laughs> a little bit, <laughs> but that's the, I mean, that's kind of the whole purpose and I'm getting off, off topic here a little bit. I, I put this together as much for myself as anything to put these things in my path to say, okay, six months from now, I've got a trip planned. I've got to plan my writing out. And that's my exercise schedule. Quite frankly, I ha I'm committing myself to get on the bike enough to be prepared when, when the time comes to do the trips. And that's what the people that come on the trips are looking for as well is a reason to keep themselves motivated, keep themselves exercising and getting out there. Uh, so that's, tangent to the question that you asked. <laughs> no, you're but, good. Keep talking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I, I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah, that's, so the, the days are, are planned to be, you know, a good ride, not a 15, 20 mile ride. We're going to do a 30 mile ride every day at least. And then on a long day, we might have a 50 mile ride. Let's say we're transferring locations. We're going from this city and the next night we're going to sleep at a, at a different city. So we may have a 50 mile ride that day but then there's no photography trip planned at, at the end of the day. Maybe we're going to have a nice catered dinner, some wine. Uh, I'm talking about my Tuscany trip here. We've got like one day where we have a long ride, but then we have a guided tour of a winery at the end of the day. And it's a nice casual. We're not walking up any hills. We're not going out and around the city. Uh, right. So everybody's going to be a little tired. We're kind of in one location, just enjoying a quiet evening, if you will. Got it. And then the very next day after that, we would have, kind of a shorter day, like a 30, 35 mile ride and come in early. And then we might drive out to a photo location where I've scouted. And I know at this time of day, the sun's going to be here. I think the clouds are going to be doing this. This is, you know, 
yeah. location that we can go spend an extra two or three hours at just for photography for the next day. So it alternates between a heavy ride day and then the next day, easy ride day and more photography. And the other thing I would add into that is when I first started this, it was a, what you call in to in type of tour where every day you're stopping in a new city and you got to pack up your bags in the morning. You put it on the van, they drop it off at your hotel for the next day and you ride your bike to the next city. <laughs> well, that's okay in some cases, but where you want to have downtime to practice your photography and just frankly, downtime to enjoy yourself. It's nice to be in the same hotel, sleep in the same bed for more than one night in a row. So we've got that built in now where we'll only transfer maybe twice on a trip. So there's three days in the same hotel and that allows people too to maybe bring their spouse who doesn't ride a bike and they just want to come along for the trip because their spouse doesn't want to sit in the van transferring to a new city every day. They get to enjoy their, their time on the trip as well. What is the uh, average length of one of your trips? How many days? Uh, good question. I, I left that out of the explanation there. Uh, <laughs> I'm here, buddy. <laughs> on the short side, four days. And I've done that for a couple of domestic trips in the U.S. On the, on the long side, 10 to 12 days. And right in, this, right in the middle, like eight to 10 days seems to be the sweet spot. Uh, where people are, people are coming for the trip and then they're bookending their trip with a stay at their arrival or departure city. What inspires you to travel and how does that combination of travel and photography enhance the travelers that, that well, in this case, your, your guest experiences? <clears throat> I, I like that question a lot. Really? <laughs> uh, when I first started traveling, I had a, had a good friend, still a good friend who we would get together after every time we came home and say, how was that trip? You know, tell me all about it. Show me your pictures. And he came home from a trip one time. And he said, you know, I, I don't feel like I got anything out of that. Like I was happy I went, but what did, you know, what impact did it have on me? And this was before I really started thinking about photography and cycling on my trips. And the, <sighs> So riding my bike as well as photography, both of those make me more aware of my surroundings. I have to pay attention. I'm, you know, especially with photography, all the time I'm looking at the light, I'm looking at the people, the situation, what's happening around me to make a good photo. And then on my bike, I, I remember places that I've ridden my bike through that I know I've driven my car past there 50 times, but mm -hmm. nothing ever stuck out at me. But I ride my bike through there once and I remember the way it smells. I remember the field over here. I remember the horses on this, in this pasture and what that mountain looked like. And just things come back to me more vividly because I was actively participating in, in getting through that landscape, if you will. So they're just, they're two activities that really just kind of make me aware and make me absorb what I'm actually doing rather than just kind of passing through. Um, in, in terms of places you've gone, tell us, tell, I, I know there's got to be some great places. You mentioned Tuscany, which I know is coming up next year, but tell us where you have already gone. Which, which experience to recount? Uh, the one that really comes to mind uh, when I really got into my photography, I planned a trip just for myself to Indonesia. It was in Java, Indonesia. Mm -hmm. And this was in, uh, yeah, not Bali, not the, not the tourist part, because I was looking at, at the map where I really wanted to go. 
And I was thinking more in terms of photographs rather than mm. a quiet vacation on the beach. Now I'm married. I've got a couple of kids. If I were to go with my family, I might sit on the beach in Bali. But with my, uh, you know, just by myself, I went for a photography trip and I spent one week just going around East Java, Indonesia. And it was one of those kind of experiences where I didn't want to see anything touristy. So I, I got off the plane and I went to, I went to rent a car. And this, the guy at the, at the rental car shop, he looked at me and he said, have you ever driven on the wrong side of the road? <laughs> no. How hard can that be? He goes, if you've never done it, don't start here. That would be a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> and he was absolutely right. Uh, so he called a friend of his who spoke some English because I, I couldn't speak their language. Uh, jo- Javanese, I think they call it. Anyway, uh, so his friend was my guide and my driver to take me around the island. And the first couple of stops he took me, uh, there, there's always kind of that breaking in period where he takes me to the tourist stop and he gets, he says, get out here. You'll really enjoy this. So I walk around for 10 minutes and I come back and I go, okay, there's too many tourists there. Show me what you like. He goes, well, you don't want to see what I like. No, I do. You live here. Tell me what's actually interesting here. I'm a tourist. I don't know. All I've done is read a few travel blogs before I came here. They don't know anything. Show me what you like. So he took me to several different places that I never would have visited because they're not on, you know, a travel review website. They're, they're not on a brochure. Uh, you have to meet somebody there. Uh, and he ended up taking me to the, I had a whole shot list of photos that I wanted to make. And in the end, I got better photos because I was going to go stand in this location. He goes, no, there's a road that goes up the back of the mountain and you want to stand over there and the sun's going to be there. And that's, that's when to me, like the travel experience really gets fun because I'm not just there by myself. I'm, I'm meeting somebody who's there. This is the place that they live. They can really, they, they, and they, they get into it with me as well. So they're having an experience along with me, helping me make some awesome photos. What are some of the interesting people that you've met on your trips? Uh, how, how does that enhance the experience as well? Uh, an earlier trip, I went to Jordan. And went across the border and I, I just got a cab. I, I was going to get a driver to take me to Petra for the day. And it was a quick trip. I had to get it back across the border to Israel uh, the next day, the very next day. So he drove me to Petra. He spoke enough English. We had a good conversation along the way. I was kind of rushed coming back and I didn't spend as much time as I wanted to there. So we were just, I mean, we had a lot of conversation. <laughs> he was being real friendly but we were driving back and it was clear we were not going to make it back to the border crossing on time for me to get back across. It was going to be closed for the night. So he said, you know what? I've got a better idea. He took me into uh, a little village where we met his parents and I sat in his living room with his mom and his dad and his sister and his brother and had some dinner with them. And then he drove me back to Aqaba, Jordan, where his family lived and he was, I just said, you know, there, there's a hotel over here. I think, you know, can you drop me there? I'll just stay there and I'll get a cab back in the morning. He said, no, you don't want to do that. He drove me to his house and he, he had a, you know, a traditional, uh, traditional couch there on the floor in, uh, in a traditional Arab house. And he said, you know, if that's okay, you can sleep there. Said, that's, that's fantastic. Of course. And his wife made me dinner and his kids came and sat and we looked through all the pictures on my camera Again, you know, not an experience that I would ever have just 
you know, in a normal hotel or having a normal tourist experience. But, and those are the kind of things, honestly, that I seek out too. I, I realize my personality is a little bit more open that way and trusting that way. And from the first trips that I took to that one, there were some places where I got myself into shady experiences where I trusted the wrong person because was, they look at me and they go, Hey, there's a white guy with money. Let's, uh, let's try and see what we can hustle him for. You just, <laughs> answered, you just answered, you just answered my follow-up question. I was going to ask you, how do you know that you're in a safe environment? I, I guess just experience at this point, I've got that radar that tells me, you know, whether or not I'm going to be safe. And I, I remember, remember another occasion where some, one of these guys was driving me somewhere and I just kind of was looking around the car and I, I always keep my bags with me or in the car. I don't put them in the trunk of the car. They always you know, try and get you to put them in the back. I always keep them in the seat with me. On this occasion, he stopped. I got out and I just took off. I said, see ya. I just you know, left some cash on the seat for him. And so it's happened that I've occasionally made the wrong call. Man. Yeah, you know what? That's the excitement of what you do, man. You're, you're into the culture of the people. You're going off the beaten path away from those five and four star hotels. You know, you just see stuff like you know, this is how they live. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll make the distinction. That's that's when I'm traveling by myself. When I'm with guests, no, 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 that doesn't go. <laughs> Everybody needs to know that I've I've vetted the experience and I'm going to keep them away from those kind of you know those kind of downsides. Well, well, speaking of guests, kind of describe for us what your average guests, who are they? I mean, I, I don't need your income levels and all that stuff. I'm just mean, are they more adventure seekers? Are they more exercise enthusiasts? Are they more culturally aware and looking for cultural? Just kind of give us a sense of what your average guest is and or are. It's, I mean, the, the cycling community in general is a very flexible, very open type of community. People who are up for adventure, they don't need the luxury and the refinement. They're not looking for five-star hotels. They're not looking for, you know, fancy dinners. Uh, they're there for the experience. They're, they're my people. <laughs> they're, they're not necessarily looking for that level of, you know, seat of your pants kind of travel. They want something in between. And to this kind of traveler, luxury just means it's planned for me. I don't have to worry about where I'm sleeping tonight and where my meal is coming from uh, in the area of COVID that, you know, things have been vetted beforehand that everything's going to be clean. We'll have enough space. We'll be able to wash our clothes on a regular basis uh, during the trip. Those kind of little details. But for the most part, yeah, cyclists are, are an incredibly flexible crowd who are very much able to take care of themselves. Uh, I've been on a couple of trips where I, I don't know the right way to say it. I had a high, a couple of high maintenance guests where <laughs> just <laughs> expect everything to be laid out for them. Somebody to hold their hand. It, I mean, it's doable, but at the same time, everybody else is there just to enjoy themselves. Uh, and I put together these trips with the sole purpose of people coming on them who are already ready to get on their bike and do the, do the mileage each day, who are already practiced enough with their camera that they're not going to be, 
you know, taking up everybody's time with, hey, teach me where this setting is in my camera. There, there are people who are there to experience the location, not necessarily to have a photography workshop, if you will. Uh, I mean, definitely some of the folks that are coming with me on my Tuscany trip, uh, one of them is only going to shoot with his iPhone because he just doesn't want to bring a big camera. He can take photos, you know, all along the way on his bike. His wife, she's already talking to me. We're emailing back and forth about, okay, what camera settings am I going to practice? And she's getting ready for the trip. So she's thinking about it beforehand. So the guests are all over the place right now because of cycling and photography. I almost always get somebody I'm talking to who says, well, I'm fine on the bike. I ride all the time. I know I can do the miles. Now help me with my photography skills. Or I practice a lot with my camera, and now what do I need to get ready for for doing the biking portion of it? And they're almost always people who have done one or the other in their past, but not recently. Like, oh, I'd love to do this. You know, I, I know I love taking bike trips, but I want to now pick up my camera and get back into that and get motivated to do that again, or vice versa. So, like, it's... it hasn't been part of their life since they were a kid or since they were young, but now that they've got the time and the, <laughs> the flexibility again, they're looking to, you know, go travel with other people who are like-minded. Got it. Um, you had mentioned earlier that uh, your background in photography is pre uh, intentionally lost. You're, you have a professional background in it that you were able to learn and merge into your now company. Um, I know you don't want to spend a lot of time teaching people how to uh, uh, use a camera, but give us a little sense of how hands-on you are, maybe helping them uh, um, uh, set up a shot or helping them describe uh, what they should be looking for when they shoot. How, how detailed do you get while you're on these trips with the understanding that you've got you know, 20 people that you also have to look out for? Well, the, the max group size that I would take is 12 people. And if I have any more than six or seven people, I'll have another person come on the trip with me who's also a professional photographer so they can help teach some people as well. So I don't pitch it as a workshop because when people think of a photography workshop, they think, oh, I'm going to one location and we're going to shoot this location maybe two or three times under different light, different times a day. We're all going to practice different camera settings. And, and that's not what we're doing because this is a travel photography, uh, you know, a traveling show, a road show, if you will. We're going to stop at this location once and then we're going to ride our bike somewhere else tomorrow. We're going to be in a different city maybe tomorrow even. So as far as myself, I don't, I don't take the trips with the intention of me coming back with amazing photos because if you're the guide of this kind of trip, that's not what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be making sure everybody else has a good time. Uh, so as far as myself, I will give anybody as much attention as they want. Uh, but we're not structuring them in the, in the way that I'm saying, by the time you come home from this trip, you're going to be able to make amazing landscape photos or, you know, you're going to come home with this specific shot for your portfolio uh, because that's what you think of as a photography workshop. But uh, yeah, I, I guess I think that answered it. Before we went live, uh, Kevin, you, you, you mentioned you're married, you have two young kids. Let's talk about marrying your personal interests with your business endeavors, you know, the traveling, the psyching, the, the photography, and the fourth element is your family. How do you manage family life and this passion that certainly consumes 
so much of your time. Is is that a challenge for you? Yeah, David, I, I was told there would be no hard questions. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get one in, Kevin. I just had to get one in. You know that. We, it, we, won't, we won't tell. Kevin. <laughs> uh, it, it's a challenge, uh, to, be, to be frank. A good portion of the reason that I started doing this, too, was to, uh, again, put something in my path that I that obligated me to keep working towards it. So I get a chance to go scout a new location. New Zealand is on my list for the end of this year and take my son with me. He's five now and he will get a flavor of this is what dad does. And this is why when dad disappears for two or three weeks at a time, what is he actually doing? Uh, so I. I've done it with the intention of incorporating family life into what I'm doing. Not a, my family's over here and my business interests are over here. They all have to mesh together. And at times it's a little challenging. Uh, like now with two young kids, I go out and do my ride and my wife is going with me on the, the Tuscany trip. And yeah. the next day I'll stay home with the kids and she goes out and does her training ride for the trip. So it it is definitely something that has to incorporate into family life. And there are some, some areas of uh, like just my personal travel. I would love to do two, three, four trips a year. Right now it's one trip a year. And as the kids get a little bit older, it'll move to two trips a year and then it'll, it'll grow from there. Uh, but like you said, Michael, you know, when you got young kids at home, there's, there's not that much flexibility. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, the beauty of what you've done um, when my family, when I was, um, you know, I, I mentioned uh, during our pre-show interview that I'm a military brat. My dad was in the United States Air Force. And I actually arrived in Spain when I was five years old. And you would think that a five-year-old would not retain, especially as I've aged, all the fond memories of Spain. I remember that three and a half years in Spain like it was yesterday. Wow. The cultural experience that I got from growing up on the streets of Madrid, where I had to learn the language by the seat of my pants, because in the three years we were there, my mother never learned to speak English my, or Spanish. I'm sorry. Uh, my dad, on the other hand, spoke like six languages fluently. And just the immersion into that cultural experience. When I returned to the United States, I was eight. And I had something that a lot of other Americans just didn't have. I don't care what background you were from. I don't care what religion you practice. I don't care what ethnic group you belong to. I had something that I can bring back to to uh, America that nobody else in my circle of friends ever experienced. And it has guided me to this day in terms of how I look at the world, how I treat people. Um, you, you know, you've, you've probably heard this in your travels about the arrogant Americans when we go to foreign countries and we don't respect their boundaries and, and their yeah. laws and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and I, I find myself, I don't know if you have to do this, but I find myself cautioning a lot of people when you go over to a country that's not your own, you're in another country, act like you belong, try to yeah. get along with the locals, learn the culture. Don't just put the American uh, culture on top of theirs. That's not cool. Yeah. Man, that you said a bunch of things very, very well there. Uh, and that's exactly why I, I want to, I put this in my life to introduce my kids to other experiences uh, because there's, there's just no way to get that same experience of travel, you know, reading a book or watching a, watching the best national geographic TV show or, or what have you, you got to go there and, and live it. And then you said, uh, 
just the cultural experience, the culture lesson of travel is something a lot of especially Americans miss because you, you, I hate to say it, but there are so many spots I go to photograph that are just Instagram spots. It's hard to get a good photo in between all the Instagrammers just posing there. And I just shake my head and they go, are they getting the culture lesson or are they just here to take a selfie? Yeah. They're, they're missing yeah. the point. <laughs> How has that changed your life though, Kevin? Seeing, I mean, like we mentioned, you've traveled to so many different foreign countries, uh, seen so many different cultures. How has that changed you, Kevin? And I would imagine you would share, the, share those experiences with your children as well. In so many ways. I, I wish I had started traveling earlier in my life, honestly. Uh, that was in my late 20s, I guess, when I really started traveling international. And I just didn't, didn't think it was, you know, anything that I would care for. But when I first, when I started doing it, I realized there are things I'm going to learn doing this that I can't get in any other way. And I, I was raised in a very traditional Christian household where we had strict rules and this is the way the world is. This is the way we believe. And then I got out of high school and I started to realize there are a lot of people that my faith, my religion taught me not to talk to, don't accept these people, you know, and then I, and then I met them and I made friends with them and I realized these are good people. They are good citizens of the world. They have a lot to teach me. I want more. And I found that even more so when I started traveling, uh, the people in America got it all wrong. I mean, <laughs> I, I keep ragging on America. Uh, no, just, just opening your eyes to just being accepting and understanding of other cultures and other ways of life. And res- just, I guess the, the bottom line is respect, understanding. I've got to respect the way that other people live their lives. And what Michael said too, you know, when we go there, we're their guests. We're, we're just passing through. We're a tourist. And the photos that I take, you know, whatever impact I have on their world, they have to live there. So I don't want to interfere with it too much. I, I want to be there and learn something for myself and be respectful and ideally leave them with something as well, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I did a lot of, uh, well, before my wife and I got married, she was part of something called Project Cure, where we take medical supplies and distribute them to third world countries. And and one of the, the guys that was volunteering along with me, I'm not medical, but I was there to schlep bags around and carry stuff and help set up tents. And, that, <laughs> and I was the always, official photographer. <laughs> yeah, you need a guy to carry things? I'll, I'll do that. And him and I were talking in the back of the back of the bus driving back one day. And he said, I don't know what impact we're really having here. Like we we give them some supplies and then we leave. Like what, what impact are we really having on these people? We're not changing their life. I said, well, in my experience, they're learning as much from us as we are from them. We're getting a culture lesson from them, appreciating their way of life. They're learning to appreciate some of the experiences that we bring to them and their, and our stories as well. So we have to be respectful of the way we depict the rest of the world and the way that we talk to them as well. And, and giving them an idea of, you know, maybe they can't ever get to, the place that we're at in the world or have the opportunity to travel as much as we do, but we give them a little bit of hope, a little bit of excitement about improving themselves, learning a trade, uh, learning to you know move up from their position or, or what have you. So that's the, that's the way I view kind of my responsibility to them as well. And you also learn what's, you also learn what's important in life. You know, very often, very often we think that, that, 
it's all about money. Yes, we all want money. We want to be able to afford certain things in life. But true happiness, that's not really true happiness. And I would imagine you see that in the lives of some of these people when you travel. Absolutely. <laughs> no question. There, there's so many families that I've stayed with who invited me into their home who if I met the same person in the U.S., they wouldn't invite me into their home. They'd feel ashamed to invite me in, in to meet their family. But the man in Jordan, another man in Indonesia, they invited me into their home and I had dinner with them and they were proud of what they had and they were proud of their family. And and yeah, they're, they're so happy with so little. It's not about things. It's about their family and their experience. And, and they were so thrilled to help me and just let me sleep on their floor. Uh, and the, the, your story actually reminded me of something that happened to me in Fiji. Uh, I was assigned a driver, um, nicest gentleman in the world. And um, he, every morning, I spent 14 days in country. And every morning he'd pick me up and take me places. Finally, one night he says, why don't you just come over for dinner and meet my wife? I want to spending, don't tell the hoteliers this, I want to spend four <laughs> out of six nights <laughs> at his house. Slept there. Um, he didn't have much, but what he had, he was just willing to share with me. No questions asked. Uh, even when I tried to give him a tip at the end of the trip for all of his kindness, he refused to take it. Um, he had a daughter who, uh, lived in Seattle and he gave me her number. I called her as soon as I got home and we still in touch. I went to Fiji in 2006. We're still in touch to this day. So it, it was wonderful. And, and by the way, on that same trip, I met a couple. I remember I was, um, I had just uh, gotten divorced. So I was kind of, you know, by myself on this trip. And I went to this new hotel. I forgot which one of the islands in Fiji it was on. And I'm sitting at the pool and I've got a book on the stock market. Don't ask me why I bought that. Uh, I guess it made me look intelligent. Uh, and I had two <laughs> history books. And I remember sitting down next to this lady and her little girl and her husband. They were actually farmers from Australia. Fiji is like a playground for Australia because they're only 600 miles apart. They had never seen anybody who looked like me, no African-Americans at all. And so I got, I struck up a conversation with them because a little girl who was three just wouldn't leave me alone. She was sitting on my lap. She forgot her mother. Uh, she was with me and wound up, we wound up being friends. We're still friends mm. to this day. They own that farm in the middle of nowhere out in Australia. And they call me about once every year just to send, see how I'm doing, send me Christmas cards. I think being able to be an ambassador to other parts of the world, if you behave properly and don't go in there and act like you own the place. That, I, I mean, I, I, I share that story with you because I, I was reminded of what you said about Jordan. I, you can't take that back. There's, there's nothing that will ever erase my influence on those people out of my head. That's a good way to say it. Ambassador is the right word for it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the non-political ambassadors. I love it. And, and I've got a chance to influence somebody's lives. Uh, before we let you go, I, I want to touch on a couple of things. Um, I know you, you have mentioned Tuscany a couple of times in our conversation. And I know from looking at your website at intentionallylost.com that that is one of your trips scheduled for next year. Tell us uh, when that trip is, why you chose Tuscany and kind of uh, let, let the audience know. <laughs> I believe it's the 9th through the 16th of next year. We had it scheduled for this year and got pushed out to next year due to, um, right. you know, the world and stuff. 
<laughs> so all, all of the guests that were booked for that decided to go ahead and keep their deposits. And we're, they're all going with me for next year. We've still got three spots open on that trip. And the, the trip I had done the year before was Morocco. I uh, would love to go back there. I'm going to have to rework that trip a little bit because it was too far between our stops for the day and a few logistics issues. So the reason I chose Tuscany as our next trip was to make some of those changes to the daily schedule. So we had more of the flexibility of shorter ride days, stay at the same location a couple of nights in a row so that people can bring their non-riding spouse. Uh, And I I didn't initially want to go to Europe because it is kind of a saturated market for North Americans just to travel to. Plus, it's a big cycling market. But... I met with uh, some friends, Experience Plus, the the folks that are helping with my ground operations, and they have an office here in northern Colorado, which is about 15 minutes from my house, fortunately, but they they founded the company in Tuscany. And so I I met with them. I said, I'd like to put this trip together. Can we work on this together? And it it came together easily. So I, I really wanted to go with them to see, number one, how they operate their trips and go with somebody who's already got all of the ground operations in place. And then the next one I'm putting together is uh, is for New Zealand, where I'll be doing everything on my own. So in some locations, I've got somebody to put everything together for us. In some locations, I've got to line up all of the individual vendors for myself. But that's why Tuscany was the next one. Uh, number one, because I knew some people who wanted to go there. And it's on a lot of people's photography and cycling bucket list. So I figured, hey, this will be easy to sell, quite frankly get enough people to go to fill up the trip and uh and then just happen to be the next uh the next easiest spot to put together a trip i'm so glad that you accepted our invitation to join the show because of uh, these tours that you do and all the experiences that you have garnished as a result of that it has been extremely inspiring and by extension inspiring to us and by extension inspiring to our listeners and 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 our viewers of course on youtube as well uh i really really want to thank you for joining us and by the way kevin uh, i promise you that mm, give me six months i will be physically fit back to my old self again to the uh after riding this bike i just bought myself then i will figure out a way to join you on one of your journeys yeah yeah it it doesn't take that long yeah i I rode a big ride in the u.s is called ragbri where 10,000 plus people ride across Iowa every year and every kind of person you can imagine, every body shape and size and fitness level is out there doing that ride. It, anybody can, anybody can do it. It's, it's more of a mindset than it is a, a physical thing. I'm a pretty doggone good athlete. At least I was until I uh, had to stop and take care of mom for so many years. So I don't think it'll take me that long to whip myself back into shape. The travel part of it, I got down. It's just the physical nature of riding a bike, which by the way, you know, as a child, you know, I I had mentioned in our pre-interview, I, I, my dad bought my first bike when we got back from Spain, I rode that bike into the ground. I I had that long after I got my driver's license. Um, So, you know, it was one of those things where I, I just like being out on the bike and being in in the open. So I'm actually looking forward to this. I, I'm kind of angry at myself that I didn't think about it sooner until I saw your pre-interview yesterday. And I'm like, why didn't I do this before? <laughs> well, cool. Yeah. So. And Kevin, and Kevin, I'll tell you, because I want Michael to be around for a very long time, <laughs> is, is, there, is, is, there, is there any advice that you have for 
someone who just called himself old, living in Las Vegas where the temperatures average 102 degrees. And all of a sudden he's decided that he's going to buy a bike and he's going to go riding. Um, do you have any tips or any advice that you can give to, to Michael for me? Well, number one would be right on the edges of the day, uh, <laughs> early in the morning or in the evening when it's not quite as hot. That's number one, actually something, something I learned in Morocco as well. We had some of those midday rides where we're out in the, you know, going from town to town, there's just no trees there. So number two would be try and ride in a place that's you know, wooded. If you got a bike path, that's got some trees on it, at least to keep you shady. And uh, those would be the two big ones. The third would be don't push yourself too hard. You don't have to ride 20 miles an hour or ride a hundred miles in a day to get a good you know, fitness experience out of your bike. If you do a 10 mile ride in the morning from, you know, six to seven in the morning, that's good. That's fine. You don't, you don't need to go out there and kill yourself. <laughs> there, there will always be that pro that's riding past you going you know, 40 miles an hour. And you're like, what? And I mean, especially in Colorado, there's a lot of pros that train out here and I'm always getting past on the climbs and just, I'm just enjoying myself. I'm out there to enjoy the ride. You don't have to kill yourself to, to get a good experience out of being on your bike. Okay. No, no hero, no hero worship from my end then. <laughs> uh, Kevin Wing, thank you for joining us at TripCast 360. Uh, you can learn more about Kevin at intentionallylost.com. You can see his uh, future trip plans. You can learn more about Kevin himself and how he got into the uh, triumvirate of photography and travel. And what's that other thing you do now? Oh, cycling. Yeah. Cycling. Cycling. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and if you, go ahead. If you like on the, right on the homepage of my website, it'll always be there uh, for all of these people that are cyclists who are just getting back into photography. I did a whole series on photography refresher exercises. So some of those things like to get your get fresh in your mind before you take a trip. And that's always free. You can download it on the website. If you're taking a trip with me or not, I don't care. It's, it's free material. Go use it to your heart's content. Oh, yeah. I'm all for that. Uh, <laughs> thank you so mm -hmm. much, Kevin. And uh, again, keep us surprised of some of your trips. And if you don't mind, uh, when you get back from Tuscany and New Zealand, some of those others, if you got a couple images you can send our way, we will be more than happy to share that with our, our viewers who just keep promoting. I love what you're doing. I, I, I got to be honest. I love it's it. like the best thing I've seen in a long time. So thanks, Kevin. Thank you, David. Thank you, Michael. I really appreciate the conversation.